Saturday, December 22nd, 2018. This is Postmarking 29, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend. We're 29 again. It's great to be 29 again. It's great to be... I mean, we're now at two Lost episodes of this podcast. I'm kind of having more fun making Lost episodes than I am making published episodes. I'm just excited to refer to things that I said last week as if people know what i'm talking about oh, we got a lot of inside jokes coming on coming on from the stuff that no one has ever heard before i do like the fact that this podcast that you and i do has uh managed to come with um all of the things that could go wrong when you're doing a podcast that have never happened on any of my other things that i've done it's just like all right now that scott's here i can like fuck everything up like i should have before but you should didn't. have before this should these things should have happened earlier i know they happen to every podcast and 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 i managed to not uh not let it happen to me here but now maybe it's just that you and i are are born to like fuck up yeah we're kind of flubbers yeah if you exactly. will a couple I mean, of robin williams green gooey guys one time see i was in physics class in uh in high school and our teacher had a real joy for integrating physics into um you know some sort of pop culture uh relevant make it relevant that sounds like a good teacher so it was like we would watch a clip of of zoolander and it was zoolander like looking at his reflection in a spoon and it was upside down mm. and why is that happening yeah, concave convex and we had something to do for a clip from the movie flubber and i couldn't remember what robin williams character's name was so i just referred to him as patch the entire time <laughs> oh pat jesse met Patch Adams, or she 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 went to a conference that the Patch Adams? the Patch Adams, not not at not the one that was portrayed uh-huh. by Robin. Williams. She went to a conference and he was the uh, the keynote speaker. What did he? She say? was in his presence. I don't think they didn't hang out or anything. Right? Oh, they didn't hang out. No, they That's weren't. They're not bad. like best buds. They didn't go to the dispensary in Denver together at the conference she was at. That guy probably loves the dispensary. I'm sure he hangs out at a dispensary. Do you think? Uh, so what did what did she have to say about uh, Patch Adams the person? He seemed like a good guy. She said. Yeah. Yeah. Was he funny? He's funny. Did he do the nose bit? Is he I still don't think doing he that? did the nose bit. Huh. I think he just he was at a it was at a medical conference. I think he was up there to talk about medicine. So he was like there to talk. Just about be a medicine dude. S- something. Yeah. And did they field any questions about the movie? <laughs> I don't think so. Was the scene where the after his friend dies and then he's uh out at a cliff and then a butterfly lands on him and then uh the butterfly flies away and there's that big uh you know wide angle shot that zooms out on the butterfly flying and it's obviously a representation for his friend who he's lost mm-hmm. did that really happen yeah that happened he, yeah, he that was sure. actually when he opened with that have you heard that rudy is a dick 
Yeah. Rudy's an asshole. I heard he's a real prick. From like multiple people. Everybody says that, that well, guy's friend, fucking our Terry, shitty. he came to Terry's office. And and Dan's too. He came to Dan's. And, and oh, Dan's is that what it was? was no, he did, is it go both? To, he did go to Terry's for sure. Because Dan had, or <laughs> Terry has a piece of, of Rudy memorabilia yeah. signed by Rudy, Rudy Rudiger or whatever his name is. Yeah. Dude, man, fuck that fool. That fucking stupid ass Notre Dame propaganda movie. He he just all he does is try really hard. Yeah. And he and then he does one. He plays one game, and gets carried off. You know why? Why are they gonna give a trophy to everyone? Huh? That's what I'm saying. I am so sick of this. (laughs) Did you watch that Mr. Rogers documentary? Yeah. The part where like you know cable news is like this is all Mr. Rogers' fault. Yeah, like what, dude? Oh my god. It's so absurd. You fucking believe that? You know what I do like, though, about Rudy is that it's one of the only movies that I've ever seen that has the uh, actor who played the young priest in The Exorcist. The guy who played Damien is the coach of the Notre Dame team. I always thought that that guy was amazing. Father Karras. I have no idea. He's so intense. When was the last time you watched The Exorcist? It's been a while. That's a five-star movie. That is a film. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. I liked it. I've seen it once, and I really enjoyed it. I think that you have have the level... You have the the horror movie levels, right? And I think that Shining is is there as just a... That's a, a piece of cinema, a moving piece of cinema... And I think The Exorcist belongs in that same tier. And I also think Halloween is yeah, in there, sure. too. I think these, those three movies are, like, legit five-star movies. Yeah, I Os- think that's definitely true. Oscar-worthy. But, hey, speaking of awards, uh, we're, at, we're at the end of 2018. Uh, it's a little, a little time to do some recap, but, and we'll get to that. But I think we should also start with... What we uh, were, what we bore witness to, this past weekend, uh, in the tables and ladders and chairs. Oh, TLC pay per view that we previewed, and we said, you know what? I think that Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are going to have one of the best wrestling matches in WWE this year, and I think that the women's match, which is going to headline is going to be another performance by Becky Lynch and Charlotte and now with Asuka that is going to be one of those that also gets brought into the into the conversation. That's true. That's exactly what I said. That's exactly what you said. And good in our me, last episode. Right, that's good what on we discussed. Me too for not just saying like, well remember last week, so I don't have to go over what I said. Yeah, that was smart to reiterate. Um that was a fun pay per view. Man, it was such a good pay-per-view. Just through and through. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means. But there was very little downtime. And I don't know about you, but I think in something that was so good and had so many good tentpole moments of like really just great wrestling, great spots, great matches. It seems like people were down on a handful of the matches on that card, but... Those good ones carried me through the ones that were downers for people. Well, I think the big one that people were down on was Rollins. and. I like that match a lot. I like that match, too. I went... I See, I watched the pay-per-view and was nodding off. And so I kind of came back 
into that match uh, after the intros, after the first few minutes of it. And then I was coming back when people were saying, this is boring. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And checking in on on the internet, and people were down on it. Um, I think that when you chant something like that at, at people like that, I think it's... It's pretty unappreciative. Uh, I think that I think that there's a a level of respect that I think should be shown to really anybody, but also particularly like these two that I think, even though it's like well established that they're top guys in the WWE, I always worry about them being there and Dude. getting a reaction like that, and then just like you know, someone in the back saying like, "Oh, maybe we should." Uh, you should just pass on this. I think, I mean, if if I'm running the company, I think it's very clear right now that Seth Rollins can't can't be at the top of the card. That match, the dream match with Dolph Ziggler, the Iron Man match, got booed. It got this is boring chance. Right. This one, this which should also be Blood Feud dream match, got booed. It's this is bad. This looks bad. So is it is it a Seth problem? Can we unpack that? I don't know. That this is what I've been, that's been like one of the the sticking points besides like the two big matches which we'll talk about later. That's been the sticking point in my brain for the past week about why is Seth Rollins getting the not just booze but like the this is boring chance, the crowd revolt chance. So I guess it's kind of interesting to look at it and and you look at Seth coming in as maybe the like amongst the first of his kind coming in uh good indie worker he's doing uh things at a level that is certainly above what the kind of dominant wrestling figures of the past several years have been able to do brings a whole new style brings a whole new energy to it and i think um so right he's he's working on a level and he comes in and i think changes a lot of what's to come people uh are, are definitely like not they're not coming they're, in on his coattails because everybody is good but the idea that like this is the this is the standard now of of what work rate is in this company totally. is totally based on seth um and i guess i wonder has he gotten to a point where he's now so locked into the wwe style of things that he has become sort of passe He's not exciting the way that he initially was anymore, right? And he's not exciting in the... He's not... It's not exciting to see him because he busts out Tyler Black moves anymore, right? He's a WWE wrestler. Yeah. And you're not ever really thinking that uh, anything shocking is going to happen or that... He's almost got that, like, five moves of doom thing going on with, like, a buckle bomb and a... the stomp and the, you know, he's got his handful of, of power moves that are all very WWE-ified. And 
you're also not expecting to see like a crazy spot fest that you would see from someone like AJ Styles, uh, who hasn't been in the system for that long. Well, here's here's what I think is worth arguing um, when it comes to Seth, and in particular, you know, you mentioned the Dolph match and and that going over poorly with the crowd for you know reasons that I think are well known at this point. Um, I think Pat Creed put it very well on this show he was on for this when he he said like you have a long ass pay-per-view and then you want people to sit through an iron man match that's that's asking a lot and i think that there's a similar thing going on here where you have a fantastic wrestling match between daniel bryan and aj styles and then you follow that up with a another wrestling match between mm-hmm. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose and that's a problem another problem is that Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins shouldn't be having a wrestling match sure. which is a point that a lot of people were making um they should be fighting with brass knuckles or chairs or in the street and barrel fire before we move on that's a thing that people say to sound smart. That's a thing that people... It's not a invalid criticism, but when you see everybody saying it, it's because everybody is jumping on to a point that somebody else made early on, and now it's become the fact. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there's truth to it. That was one of the things that when we Ben and I were watching on the couch and we were both like, why is this... This is a hardcore a hardcore pay-per-view. Why is the only real feud here not using weapons? Right. These guys hate each other. But I think a point worth making in that regard is the fact that if they go all out with tables and ladders and chairs, what is that going to do to the women who are coming in after that? Yeah, the pacing is, is off here. Because, like... Don't don't take this as anything other than what it is. I think that we were all watching that women's match and we were all, you know, I think we're all aware of holding back on the, man, it sure does take them a little bit longer to set up the ladders and things sure. like that. Like the fluidity of all of it wasn't, you know, it, it just wasn't quite there. And I don't think anybody was bothered by that. I don't think anybody was, like, scoffing at it because I think we all want this to work. We all want it to happen. But if you have Seth and Dean, like, pulling out all the stops... Yeah, and noted historical hardcore wrestler Dean Ambrose. It's just not going to look as good when, when, uh, when Becky does it that's true i mean maybe that match though opens the show or maybe it it's somewhere else because so those are the those are the two arguments though right like this was placed in a spot in the show where it was destined to fail and it should have had weapons or something right like those are the two things right it it, and here's the thing that i think is is interesting to to look at is you have our channels are switched that's why i've been fucking flipping uh, with this you switch the microphone cords right right 
Um, that's why I've just been like, why can't? I, why do I have to like yell to get a, the level Scott's? You're turning my level up. Um, uh, that's gone wrong on other podcasts before, mm. but so this is not new territory. This where... is not. This, this is not new territory. Okay. Um, what's wild is that the the compressor on this computer is so good and it sounds so sharp that now I immediately hear which podcasts are using this program. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. You can figure it out? Just like immediately. And I'm just like, I'm like, dude, turn the gain down just a little bit. You don't need it. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that this show was maybe not seen in the right light by the people who were putting it together because this card was fucking good it's absurdly stacked and i don't think that they planned it the way that they would have planned a SummerSlam or a wrestlemania card because this could have worked a lot better but what you ended up having was dean ambrose and seth rollins having to follow AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan and the women's match which is the main event is still to come. This is where Braun Strowman brings out all the yeah. all the 100%. Uh, pieces of white bread to come and beat up Baron Corbin. Yeah. Um I think that it's also worth I I, I guess I've been thinking about this match a lot. I've been thinking about like why this didn't work. Mm-hmm. But they Remember when Dean came back and his whole thing was that he wrestles now? Yeah. He's supposed to be brawling. And Dean worked a match that's more befitting to the Dean Ambrose character that came back after nine months and has a whole new uh, move set. So I think that that it's just it seems a little unfortunate that everything went the way that it did because I don't know if everybody was like fully prepared for making all the adjustments that needed to be made for this match to completely work. Yeah. And I still, it it's one of those things that I think does a really good job of explaining how little we all know about wrestling. Right. Cause we can all Monday morning quarterback and say like, say the pacing was wrong or say it should have been a weapons measure. Say that, yeah, like the the style of things was was wrong and the booking was bad, but I mean, suggesting that I I think that there's this this common argument that's similar to the uh, brand split argument that happens all the time, where whenever we have a brand split, after it happens for a year or so, people argue that everything should be unified, and whenever yeah. everything's unified, people argue that there should be a brand split. Yeah, I think the same thing happens with card order on 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 shows. That whenever something goes wrong with a, a late card match, it's because, well, no, the the show should be booked like Wrestle Kingdom, where your least important match is first and your most important match is last. Or the argument is, no, it should be booked like WrestleMania, where you have like five important matches booked throughout the show, and that's always you. If if you went one way and it didn't work, you should have done the other one. Yeah. Uh, but that's clearly like not necessarily the answer. Because both of those models work. There's a yeah. There's a there's a lot to it. Um, I think that man, it's it's a it's a weird time because I think that I think that Seth is being asked to do a lot 
Um, he's taking, he's wearing a lot of hats right now. I think that it's, it's not, maybe it is a Seth problem. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that we, you know, we were so high on him when he was, uh, being pushed in the way that he was being pushed in the early summer. Now we're all kind of cooling on him, but I don't know if we would have been cooling on him if Roman didn't win the title and he was forced yeah. to be, it's, it just feels so jumbled he feels really out of place i wonder if he i'm thinking about how i've felt about him i wish i was at the coffee hound in bloomington when he was there uh, and i yeah, would have been able to talk to there. him you could have said like hey dude what's the deal yeah i feel like we i maybe maybe okay to your point earlier talking about how seth rollins was kind of the canary in the coal mine as far as uh indie wrestlers go in wwe He's like the one that's paving the way. Uh, I feel like maybe we felt the same way about Seth Rollins and we cheered for him so heartily, the same way that we cheered for the Sasha and Charlotte feud, mm. uh, where it was good, it was it was great, but it wasn't. Dude, fuck that! That three way between John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and oh, Seth yeah, Rollins. Oh yeah, no doubt. No, d- hey, awesome. no doubt. I'm not arguing yeah, that, yeah, but like, yeah. I'm talking about Seth's runs here. Sure. When Seth was the I mean, when Seth wins the belt, it's the best, right? But then with his run as the authority figure, you know, kind of stand in for Triple H, Seth, that, I think we all talked about it and rallied behind it and still talk about it retrospectively as if it was, like, the greatest. But I don't know if it necessarily was. I think it was, like, probably pretty good. And I think it was because a lot of it was because like first indie star gets first huge push right by the authority of the like this is the first wwe molding of an indie star into Mm. a wwe star you know it's interesting um i i think that i think that now is maybe a time for seth to be looking into like what he can do with his character to make it um seem more than just being Seth Rollins. And I think that's a good segue into Daniel Bryan. Holy Lord. Did you watch You watched that yeah. video last yeah, night? Yeah, the Joey Maloney video. Everybody listening to this, make sure that you watch the video that WWE put out of Daniel Bryan. It's about 10 minutes long, and it's building to his match at TLC. And it is some of the most unbelievable work that they've done in terms of insight into a character. It's very well produced. He- yeah. Just a brief segue. Joey Maloney. I don't know if this is something that people talk about at all. I don't know if we just talk about it because he has some Vanderpump rules connection. If that's how we know who this person is or uh-huh. if he's a famous video producer man here's the thing whenever i hear about somebody who's famous i always go through this crisis of like i don't know if this is someone that i'm supposed to know or not because like i've been gifted this by one of my gateways into uh pop culture which is marla who knows that this uh that this matters to her I don't know if it matters to like 
people the way like uh, I don't know like Lord matters like, right you know or if it matters the way that you and I would bring up J420 if it's just like sure oh this is the unit it's just some like semi secondary character of a niche product that we enjoy right and, yeah and, and and we all know everybody knows Jersey Shore and everybody knows enough about it but if you actually watch it, that's how you know these people. So right. you have to be in there to a certain extent. But is Joey that what Maloney, Joey Maloney is? I don't know. I don't know. Joey but Maloney. he's he's a producer of video content for WWE. dot com or like some of the like internal content. He does the the mini docs. He does he did the one for Shinsuke Nakamura before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He does these like really great kind of like twenty four, twenty four seven. What are the what are like those? football ones from hbo true life i'm getting plastic surgery <laughs> true life i didn't know i was pregnant <laughs> but he's great and this one is just like mind-blowing there are some really good moments of just like you know daniel bryan is talking directly into a camera but the camera is like kind of focusing it's like shifting a little bit to try and like get in there and it's it just gives a real nice sense of reality to it and man daniel bryan has just found such a good groove for himself he looks so good just talking with his fucking your haircut and and his ability to just have this hair that just like looks like it was cleaned with that hemp soap Mm mm-hmm and I don't know when his eyes became so pink. And I don't know if the scratches on the bridge of his nose are ever going to go away. But he looks like such a shitty guy. And he acts like such a shitty guy. And he believes he's right. Yeah. And I think that's what is so compelling about him right now. He's turned himself into one of those heels that doesn't come up too often that isn't a straight heel right he's not just saying like fuck you fuck everyone i'm better than all of you he's like making these arguments and and having real points behind him and also like the way in this movie in this video that he talks about aj styles is so interesting how he talks about his respect for this guy who's a good wrestler it's something that paul Heyman always brings up where he when he talks about a cutting a good promo, he, he always says, like, you can't bury your opponent. You have to talk about them right. as if they are a real threat, yeah. no matter who they are. And Daniel Bryan's doing a great job on this. He's saying, like, AJ Styles is a great wrestler. I have to change the way I'm going to fight this match because of him. I'm nervous about this match, but I also know that I'm better than him and I'm going to win. And him doing that makes it... It makes him so much more compelling and interesting than if he's just shit talking and and saying I've got I'm gonna beat AJ because I'm better and that's that. It, it gives so much more dimension to him. I think. I think that he has also he's shifted the way that he works and he talks about it in the video that he's not gonna do the the things that everybody wants him to do and i watched that match over again after watching that video and was really just i guess privy to the fact that he's 
working on the mat. Most of his shit is, you know, it's very high impact kicks, knees, a lot of holds. It's so fucking good. And it's like, it, it was also wild to me to be, you know, watching that match the first time and just becoming aware pretty quickly, like, oh, this is, this is really, really good, smart stuff. And then watching it again and being like, God, I don't remember that match being so short. And it was a half an hour long. Yeah. It was so fucking long. Uh huh. It just has such a, like, just great dynamic energy. And I love that he's saying that he's better than everybody in Japan. And he's just, he's working a style that I don't think, I don't think that they've fully, like, gone into highlighting the fact that it's all like different and uh you know particular but it is it is and i think they're touching on it mildly right he comes out to the ring now doing his little crawl i mean that's matt wrestling style stuff that's that's old school mma and he's indicating that like this is going to be less less high-flying more matt-based wrestling one of the things that didn't fully click with Daniel Bryan the first big run around was that we all know he's the best wrestler in the world. We all know that in ROH and in the indies before he joined WWE, that's what everybody called him. He was the best wrestler. He comes in, he starts doing some crazy holds, he starts doing some really interesting stuff. He's an underdog, he's very compelling. But his wrestling style doesn't fully blossom as as a as the the first round the first time around and then he comes around this time he, this once he finally turns heel here he's doing his old his old best wrestler in the world yeah style yeah definitely. and this is and it's wor- and this is what made him the best wrestler in the world the first time around yeah and maybe hopefully it works as something that's like going to add longevity to his career if he's rolling around on the ring just kicking and rolling people up like this is perfect for this man who's got weird brain injuries yo and it's also perfect for a lot of opponents i'm like really excited just to see like you know aj had a quiet year he's still the best yeah and he worked so well with this and i think that these two could continue to have very very good matches um, I feel like with the new announcements of the regime mm-hmm. change and stuff like that, um, I like the idea that we might not see that again next month. But That'd be very cool. Um, you know, this is something where, I mean, Nakamura's stock is pretty low right now. That would be good. Rusev, that would be good. Like it's. It's such a it's such an exciting uh, prospect because he's able to do something that is so different and so compelling and so engaging and does it without doing all the uh, things that all the spots that have kind of become going back to Seth Rollins. You know when that dive is coming. Uh, I could I could go. The rest of my life without seeing a suicide dive in yep. WWE again. Yep. But 
Um, yeah, that match was that. It, it it's like you hear you you see something that you know that's going to be good, and then it's just better than you ever could have anticipated in ways that you couldn't have imagined. I still go back to that Brock match and just being like, I, there's no emotional journey that I've been on in a wrestling match quite like that one. Wait, the Daniel Bryan and Brock one yeah. from a couple months ago? Yeah. yeah. And that's so amazing to see that these, after Daniel Bryan's milk toast run from WrestleMania, coming back at WrestleMania to Survivor Series, he did... We we were we were clapping because he was in the ring and yeah. that's it. We were yeah. happy that he's there. Suddenly he fights Brock and he fights AJ and these are two match of the year contenders. They're just incredibly compelling and jarring pieces of wrestling. It's really exciting to see him finally like realizing like maybe he didn't re- realize anything. Maybe he knew all along, but it's it's interesting to see him fully blossoming here. How about that main event? Oh my god. What a main event. Fucking so good. I mean I don't know. It was just I don't I don't know if there's anything worth starting off with more than that crazy bump. That crazy bump from the ladder when Becky jumps off, lands right on uh, Charlotte's I was ribs. So worried. So worried. That should have just ended her. I know. Just straight up just landed like Bottom first, on top of Fanny Charlotte's first midsection. Well, think about all the freaking bones that are in your pelvis. Mm-hmm. Fucking, that can't feel good for either of them. Um, Oscar fucking belonged. Oh my god! I, when we were we were watching it, and I think seeing the Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles match, and then two matches later seeing this three-way between these women somebody in the room said that it was just like astounding to see that the best five wrestlers were at the end of this card the mm. best five wrestlers in the wwe yeah are right there yeah it was incredible yeah i mean it's it's honestly it's like it's so good that it speaks for itself um i think that i think that becky is just so fucking over and i think that this is just i don't know i think that this is part of a part of the beginning of a time that we're going to be talking about down the line um i saw a pretty interesting quote where she was working on this movie with the miz and Shawn michaels oh you mean the marine yeah six? the marine six uh adrian's revenge and Shawn michaels tells her Go back like you're the best. And it fucking worked. It totally worked. And one of the things that I think this match particularly did a really great job of is I think this was Charlotte's match. I think Charlotte shone more than anybody else in this match, which is perfect, right? Because Becky's already got momentum. Asuka wins the belt. And Charlotte keeps herself very relevant. And and I think the Charlotte and Becky constant competition is going to keep them both at the top of the card and in the spotlight and just compelling as can be they're both looking so good right now and yeah yeah, they're just thriving off of each other it's just amazing to see just to see it working so well on so many different levels on that show um 
yeah. It was, this was such a wild, like, roller coaster year for watching wrestling. I feel like the Royal Rumble just started things off with just such great anticipation for what the year was going to look like. I feel like we all came out of WrestleMania just being a little confused. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it took a little bit of time to get things together. There was uh, kind of a lot of a lot of false starts and then like a lot of real shit happened. And now we've got this like quiet ascension of two of the most over characters of the past five years happening right now going into going into a new year Mm -hmm. it's it's been crazy it's been really crazy and it's just good to see i think we were i haven't been this excited about wrestling in a long time uh i don't think i have either it's it's i mean specifically about wwe right oh yeah absolutely i it's it's crazy to see how much momentum is happening. I haven't been excited about a WrestleMania card itself, aside from the fact that it's WrestleMania for a while. I think this is really we're in a we're in a good time. We're gonna yeah we're gonna be looking back on this. I think you said absolutely correctly. Yeah, because I mean, y- you got to look at just the the possibilities of you know whether it's. Charlotte, Becky, and Rhonda, or just Rhonda and Becky. Honestly, I think that I think you go all out at Mania. I think it should be the three of them. I, yeah, I think so. I think that you know Becky, Becky, maybe the the most over in this moment. But if this is going to be the main event, and it should be, having three of them, it's ideal. Because you have you have Rhonda, you have Becky who's most over, you have the fucking queen who is going to go down as, as maybe the best women's wrestler in history, who I think to your point in the TLC match, Charlotte can carry a three-way. Yeah. Charlotte can do so good for everyone she's working with and also look amazing. Yeah, totally. The, the, the thing that we would worry about right is can charlotte carry or can uh can ronda i'm sorry carry a main event match at wrestlemania well within six months look i love becky lynch don't get me wrong rooting for her very hard but i think that i think that that's a spot that i would also be worried about what becky can can actually like sure do here because i think becky is also a little bit hampered by the fact that you look at those two from, you know, standing across from each other. How threatening does Becky look compared to Rhonda? I mean, that's just the reality of it. And totally. it and it's, you know, something that uh that I think despite being as hot as she is right now, it's not like it's not like it's Daniel Bryan where, all right, we know that he can work Brock Lesnar because we know so much about Daniel Bryan's work rate and his record. Becky's had great matches, but I don't know how many 
one-on-one, no stipulation, singles matches, I can point to to say like, yo, but Becky is like next level right. work rate. Right. Whereas Charlotte, we can easily do that. Mm-hmm. There's so many instances we can point to in Charlotte's career yeah. that identify that she could carry anything. And having a fucking flair in there. Yeah. That's, that's the case too, right? As... Becky Lynch is a very insular star right now. I don't I'm sure she's on talk shows or whatever their their circuit is, but people outside of the WWE landscape know who Charlotte Flair is, if mm-hmm. only because she's Ric Flair's daughter. Mm-hmm. That that gives a ton of uh of name recognition to a pay-per-view to WrestleMania. Yeah. I think um I, I it feels like the possibilities are out on a lot of different aspects of, of what the car looks like. It's the Royal Rumble is, is such a great invention because it's just there. It's just there for us. And it's there for us to, to get excited about what's going to end up happening. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but what do we, what do we got here? Wrestler the Rumble? of the year. Re- oh, wrestler, wrestler of the year. Wrestler of the year. Is it Becky Lynch? Yeah. No question. I think it is too. I don't like. I don't. Daniel Bryan is maybe a contender there. Yeah. But I don't know who else it could possibly be. I think it's it's really hard to to argue. I I think I see that match with Charlotte in October as being my favorite main roster match of the year. Is it the the Evolution match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that. I mean. When it's all when it's all on the table, it's like Okada versus Kenny. Yeah. Like. Well, yeah. It's so. It's There's so. N- you right? can't argue it's, against it's, that. It's like I, It's like they're they're in a position now where it's like it's almost like an afterthought that those two are are doing the best thing. It's unfair. It really is. Their barometer is is off. Is wildly off. Thermometer. Oh, their thermometer. It's Kelvin. Uh huh. The. It's yeah. It's not. And what's interesting about both of them is they haven't had absurd years after that. They've both kind of just cruised, which is probably good. You can't be hot for five years in a row. That's just not possible to maintain. I mean, Kenny's G1. Kenny's G1 was great. God, it was so good. It was really good. Um, Yeah, his match with Ishii was one of my favorites of this year. I think, you know, I got got a lot of uh, personal... uh, uh, feelings at stake there. I love Ishii. I'm a huge mark for Ishii. You love Ishii. Uh, and the Bushi Tanahashi match was fucking tremendous. That was a moment too where it was yeah, like... Yeah, that was a really good match. It was like, oh, Ibushi's obviously going to win. And then Tanahashi does and you're like, that rules! You're like, oh shit, you're right. This, this is, is cool. great! I guess we could talk a little bit about are we we may I'm I'm assuming we'll record next week and maybe we could do a little uh little, Wrestle Kingdom. A little Wrestle Kingdom preview. preview? Oh. We I think we both need to do a little catch up on our own terms. Yeah. yeah. So what's gonna happen then when this all elite wrestling happens? Yeah, we can talk about that. And when and we are just scrambling to get everything in each week is now i i don't know all elite doesn't have a tv deal right and that's right. the whole thing with uh bandito signed with roh because of that 
right? And I mean, my dream is that all elite wrestling just has six pay-per-views a year, something along those lines. I mean, I think that that's the smartest thing to do, to do like a weekly show that films from the same location in Florida seems very conceivable. Yeah. The idea that it ends up on Netflix or Hulu or even fucking, yeah, it's totally conceivable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I think that the three of them, the Bucks and Cody are so just naturally entertaining that they're going to be able to just keep things going just based on their personalities. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think it, it, it just, I mean, if they're just making an official, a more official, more highly produced avenue, more wrestling focused avenue for being the elite, like the, that's a success. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they, I think that all, all three of them too just have like such an ingrained understanding for, uh, like what makes a good show and you look back to the Southern stuff in the eighties and nineties, you look back at WCW and like WCW Saturday night, shit like that. It's that's just all there for the taking. Cause nobody's doing that anymore, but it's also a reference point that everybody's going to understand. They're all, you know, working on this like post postmodern scale. Um, I think that they can they can produce something that feels very old school, but very informed mm-hmm. um, and probably low budget. Um, I'm is it like completely off the table that Ring of Honor would have their people participate in that in any way? I don't know. It seems as if they have to be split now, right? Because. The Young Bucks aren't going to be at that Ring of Honor New Japan show. Uh, that one at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Which seems weird. That uh, really seems weird. And specifically, like, think hearing about the Bandito situation where he's not signing with All Elite and he's signing with ROH. And those ROH contracts are, like, fairly exclusive contracts that, like, won't let you wrestle in other places. Um it seems like I'm really I, the thing that I'm concerned about is that there's going to be a handful of major indies now that are all going to bicker amongst each other while WWE just keeps buying talent and they're going to collapse from from the uh, from the bottom of things. Well, we've heard that. I think the report is you know three members of the elite were offered seven figure deals yeah. that they turned down. Um, yeah, the, the aspect of, of bickering, it's, I guess it's, it's interesting to think that if you have these lines that are being drawn by certain organizations, wouldn't it just be a matter of time before somebody decides to cross it, before NWA decides to cross it, TNA decides to cross it, Mm -hmm. and you can work an angle of, you know, an invasion of some sort or just having having people work together just seems to be an inevitability. With, I would hope so. Uh, yeah, cuz it's how it happens now. It's just loose. It's it's wild to me that Ring of Honor is doing this. 
really i just i don't know i mean obviously your business and you want your business to continue but the stock is so low yeah it feels like out out of place well i think what they're it seems like what they're trying to do is that they're trying to position themselves use this momentum as like oh let's get back into the major indie scene but how the fuck have they not done that in the past three years i think they probably it seems like they've coasted right it seems like they've just been coasting putting on good shows they've got a hardcore fan base yeah we continue to use them as a reference point but other stuff like pwg and mlw and now all elite wrestling they're all growing enough in a way that is rivaling roh which used to just be the standard bearer for good indie wrestling they've been coasting for a while they've been coasting dude they're freaking roh is like is like the the sierra nevada of <laughs> independent wrestling yeah that's very true the briscoes are the champs again are the are the tag team champs again Who, wh- i can't believe people root for them why do they still have jobs i don't know it's it's like the roh is out of touch man they don't fully get it. WWE would never sign them because they're no. fucking they're a goddamn PR nightmare. Yeah. They're absolutely. racist and homophobic and fuck them. Um Yeah. What have you done for me lately? That's what that's what I say. Yeah. I'm big on I'm big on what have you done for me lately. They haven't done anything. Dude, you got you got it. Uh this has been postmarked in twenty nine point five. Uh, this po- this episode, I'm, I'm confident will will Feeling go good. out. Feeling yeah. good. Feeling good that y- that y'all are gonna hear it. Um, we really just do this because we like it, because we like to to see each other, and and we uh, have to we have to do something to make sure that that happens every week. It's like having a job, but when you're doing something that you love. It never feels like work. That's what I always say. Merry Christmas, Scott. Happy holidays, Tim. And uh, um, don't even, don't even, this free, this PC, the nonsense. I can't say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Did you see my cover photo? It's a Tucker Carlson yeah. screenshot of. Uh, oh, now it's gingerbread people. And my grandmother, my sweet grandma Margie, saying, I do prefer gingerbread boys and girls. And I'm just like, oh, man. God damn it. I just I just hope none of my friends say anything so I don't have to be like, yo, that's my grandma, dude. But uh, was yeah, I'm going to call her a racist. Dude, don't. Uh, she probably voted for Trump. It sucks. <laughs> She's so old and she watches Fox News. Um, but, hey, uh, we hope that this comes to you all well and that you're able to spend your holiday with people that you generally like and that you don't have to suffer through and we don't have to you don't have to deal with uh, too many people's opinions uh and that and that you don't have to be such a goddamn snowflake about everything nice but we'll be back we'll do one of these next week we'll talk a, a little bit more uh new japan and we'll find some other shit to talk about Maybe we could put together some lists i yeah we could we could do that scott we could ostensibly do that let's do some lists we're good at making lists yeah and we'll we'll check them twice we're gonna find out 
who's naughty and who's Thanks, folks. Working like the water when it rushed. Growing for my father, bitter to his touch. Now I'm solely honored, living is a must. Hardest for my mama till I'm dust. God gon' deal the karma, lost my trust. And every man know many men got me in a jam. I be in my feelings. On the other hand, I just need a moment. Off of my condolence, smoking to the morning. Brody on the corner with a piece on his hip. Give a warning for you, blow it in the sky. Tiptoeing over mortar and a brick. Bumping shoulders with the devil in disguise. Shoulder level water on the rise. Twist 40s in the morning in the winter. I heard you got your sauce at the Enterprise. Evidently it was rented, but it's mine. Evidently it was written like Nas. I was in the kitchen with that nigga Mike. You gotta listen when I tell you, simmer down. Two years I've been missing living life. You was wildin', every day was trash. Crackers piling in to rake the land. Early morning, watch my swollen hands. Hit the showers, cleanse my soul and crash. Tiptoeing over glass, Brody go too fast. Told him slow up. No, I use so much of everything in hand. Except the difference is, now nah, I control it. I be in the crib and in the moment stuck, sipping out the flask. Feet up on the dash. I hit the split, but don't promote it under overpass. No cap, sand falling out the hourglass. Grand total, it's a whole lot of raps. Quick sand, scrambling out of that. Go behind the back, switch hand. Hey.